when, when you're starting out in any business, I mean, there's going to be limited success. <laughs> so if he had success, it felt like I was having success and we were able to kind of share in that. Um, and it was competitive too. Obviously if he, if he got a good lead, then it would make me, uh, make me want to uh, motivate me to go out and do the same thing. So lots of advantages to having that accountability partner. Uh, I can definitely say that if Scott wasn't in my class, um, and if we didn't do that together, I probably wouldn't be here right now. Uh, and, and he said the same thing, you know, to me over the years, cause we now train new advisors and, that's the, the top recommendation that I give them is have an accountability partner. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. Well, I have an amazing um, leader here today. His name's Jason Mansell. Um, he is in financial advice, retirement, wealth preservation with Edward Jones. Uh, he's been working as a financial advisor for the last 10 years. And I've been really interested in just understanding what is going on in the financial um, marketplace. Uh, you know, I have some friends who have been tremendously successful and they tell me on the golf course, well, I just never go into the business. It's just not the space to be. They see commoditization and challenge everywhere. And um, I know you're going to love this conversation um, and just the perseverance that Jason's shown, the, uh, the future that he sees for the financial um, space uh, for, for young leaders perhaps getting in. And he tells an incredible story of in his 13th month with Edward Jones, when the salary ran out, when he had to rely on, on just his commissions, uh, that 13th month, he made $180, less than $200 a month. But he had no plan B. He, he was 100% fully committed to making it work. Um, and just over the next number of years, it has really, really worked. Uh, we didn't get into financial numbers, but, but uh, Jason is really winning at this and really making a huge, huge impact, um, uh, you know, uh, for his, his career and for his savings and also for his customers. So I know you're going to love the podcast. Um, again, like always, you know, the game I'm playing is I want to be working with um, amazing young leaders uh, like Jason Mansell um, that we recruited out of the University of Guelph, uh, you know, a decade, 12, you know, 14 years ago. So if you know of any amazing people who are looking to step out and learn the lessons of success and step out and have massive uh, careers, uh, please send them to me. You know, uh, if you have any information or any, anything you'd like to share about the podcast or anything, you can reach me at Chris at leaderspodcast.ca. Thanks so much. Have a fantastic day. Okay, wonderful. So Jason, I just want to say thank you very much for joining us today on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. I know it's always a big request. Uh, I know you've got a busy life and a busy career that you're making time to give back to the program. So thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here and uh, great to uh, reconnect. 
Yeah, no, that's wonderful. And and one of the cool things for you is is we've had many um, sibling pairings in the business. I know actually my younger sister followed me into the business, and and my my two sons have, have run the business as well. So just you know having you know one maybe the first question is before you joined the program. I know your brother was was in the program and real successful in the program. How was that as an influence before you got started, Jay? Yeah, so my brother Steve was a manager and actually original uh, painter uh, at first and then became manager and general manager. And uh, I kind of saw the success that he had and the progression. And so I, I thought I'd join. Uh, I probably went through a string of uh, jobs I didn't enjoy <laughs> early on yeah. in high school and and uh, saw the opportunity to start painting. Um and I did that, I think, for two or three summers before I became a manager myself. And I actually got, I was kind of involved with helping my brother manage in that last summer uh, a lot of the marketing. Um, okay. So I got my feet wet a little bit already. Um, and that led me to, to kind of take the next step uh, the following summer. So... Yeah, it was it was a, an awesome experience and certainly cool to uh, to do it with a sibling. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I know I know Steve's been really successful. I, I know I'm going to reach out with him and get him on the pod in the future. Um, I know he's been really crushing it um, over with Crystal Works organization, etc. So, yep. Um, but, yeah, but tell me more about what you were like before our program, um, and maybe what your biggest frustration as a teenager was before you got started. Yeah, so before the program, uh, I was probably a bit more reserved, and um, you know, the jobs that I worked were were fairly low risk um, in the sense that you know you would take on a, a hourly wage and and work your shift, and you wouldn't really have any involvement uh, or input in the uh, the job that you were doing. Um, so I was probably uh, less likely to take risks didn't really have control um and you know of course all that changed when i uh, became a manager within the student works program um so it's a, a completely uh, different opportunity uh than uh, anything i'd done right okay okay and, and so so what do you still rely on from the program yeah i think you know, looking at a situation and and calculating that risk reward, um, I, I think that was something that I still rely on to this day. Uh, there's a cost to everything, uh, so being a business owner, you're always looking at um, what's the opportunity and what is that against the risk that you're taking. And in my business, <laughs> it's risk management, uh, so I build custom portfolios for clients and families across Toronto. And um, that's exactly what I do uh, on their behalf on a daily basis. So, um, you know, I definitely took that away from it. And, um, you know, obviously all the other components that go into being a business owner, hard work, self-starter, um, uh, you know, all those characteristics that you develop in the program have carried over to my career. 
Right. Right. And then what about, you know, um, you know, actually here, we'll, 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 I want to spend a bunch of time just just on your career. And and what once you once you tell our leaders just what you do and, you know, coming out of school, you know, maybe your career progress. And we'll, we'll spend a bunch of time on on just what you're doing. And because I'm fascinated by the industry that you're in and the transformations going on within that industry. Yeah, so I went to the University of Guelph and I graduated not actually really knowing which direction I was going to go. I knew I wanted to work for my, be my own boss, um, but I didn't actually decide to go into the financial services industry uh, until about six months after graduation. Uh, so I started okay. Edward, Edward Jones as <clears throat> we're based at St. Louis and we're actually the largest investment firm um, in North America by the number of advisors. We manage about one and a half trillion dollars. Um, and I started there. Uh, basically, there was no um, introductory program. I got hired and I was licensed within 90 days and it was sink or swim. Go start your business. Uh, and of course, wow. they had support and had training, mm-hmm. but um, I wasn't part of a team. I wasn't, um, I was on salary for 12 months. And we actually, believe it or not, when we initially start, we're encouraged to go door to door in our communities. So wow. I opened an office in Etobicoke and I, I thought about that for a second. I said, well, you know, I've done that before. Um, yes. You know, that that's something that I think I could be successful at. And of course, everyone in my network, when I came out of university, were, you know, former students with probably student debt, uh, not yeah. a lot of investable assets. So I had to go build my own network. Um, yes. So I actually went door to door and signed up my first hundred clients um, for about four years. And that was really interesting. <laughs> no um, kidding. Yeah. So if you can imagine, <clears throat> you know, 25 year olds, um, you know, I didn't know anything about investing uh, until I started in the program and went through all my right. licensing and requirements. Um, it wasn't something that, you know, certainly my, my parents or my family um, introduced me to. Uh, in terms of the stock market and, and investing up until then. So I was going door to door around my office in Etobicoke and just introducing myself, um, starting that process of uh, telling people my story and what I could do differently compared to some of our competitors. So uh, that, I progressed. That's fascinating. Yeah, that's that's a fascinating model. So so um, so because I know we've had many um, very successful, you know, um, advisors get started in your industry, not surprisingly because of the skill set they develop, because of the tenacity they have and the willingness they have. But, you know, but I, I, that, that's, that's neat that it's, it's going to door to door. So, so, uh, can, can yeah, I ask it's how different. different, yeah. How different was your like how helpful was the the fact that you just had so much experience in consumers' homes before and ha- talking to homeowners before was that a big help? That yeah, that was massive. Um, 
just being comfortable with walking up to someone's house and having a just a casual conversation, uh, having experienced a lot of the rejection that comes with that right. as well, um, was a huge advantage. And, um, you know, I set up a structure to, to kind of keep score. And uh, the expectation was 25 contacts a day, um, you know, and I would always exceed that. And also accountability. I knew accountability was really important. So I would literally go on one side of the street and I would have my colleague who, you know, is still with Edward Jones today and, and he would go on the other side of the street and we would hold each other accountable. And we would awesome. run seminars together and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, if I hadn't have done the Stenworks program, uh, it certainly would have been a lot more challenging than it already was. Um, so that was a big advantage. Yeah. So so basically for our leaders, what, what uh, Jason was doing was setting up uh, an accountability buddy. So it's, I'm going to hold you accountable. You please hold me accountable. I'm sure there's some days where, who knows, maybe yep. you're full of excuses or whining or not really up to it, right? Because you're human, just like we all are. And he would help you. And then the other days, you know, you yep. would help him. And just like, we're making this commitment. We're going to go build a career. Uh, and we're going to make a difference in our communities, right? It's just so critical. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we, yeah, we had a shared vision. And, and when, when you're starting out in any business, I mean, there's going to be limited success. <laughs> so yes. if he had success, it felt like I was having success and uh-huh. we were able to kind of share in that. Um, and it was competitive too. Obviously if he, if he got a good lead, then it would make me, uh, make me want to uh, motivate me to go out and do the same thing. So lots of advantages to having that accountability partner. Uh, I can definitely say that if Scott wasn't in my class, um, and if we didn't do that together, I probably wouldn't be here right now. Uh, and, okay. and he said the same thing, you know, to me over the years, cause we now train new advisors and that's the, the top recommendation that I give them is have an accountability partner. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Uh, yeah. And, and part of it is as well, I know, I know in the program as well, we, we talk about just finding that person who, again, there's a connection and you see the best in them. They see the best in you. Let's go do this together, you know, and really, um, you know, making sure that you've got that person who, who again, has that positive energy because it's hard, isn't it? It's, it's, it's tough um, to sort of make, make a go in, in this industry or in any industry, right? It's just hard. Like, like, yeah. you know, there's no yeah. easy road to success. Well, I mean, 99% of the people we spoke to never did business with us. Um, so the, the conversion rate, um, you know, was probably maybe not 1%, but it was maybe two, 3%. Uh, so you can imagine <laughs> the uh, amount of uh, rejection and the winters are cold. Etobicoke and Toronto. It's, uh, you know, those winter mornings, especially, uh, were, were the most difficult to get out there. So, um, that was really, really important. That's wonderful. And so, um, so, so, uh, is this still how they're choosing to build their business? Like with, you know, yeah, so uh, it's evolved. It's mm-hmm. evolved. Uh, I, I think, um, in terms of the setup today, it's certainly, it's not how I go about building my business now. Um, yes. but 
newer advisors still are expected to go out, um, perhaps in in a lesser capacity. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, we we use you know events and seminars and and technology like you know LinkedIn and other uh, other techniques um, uh, to to build businesses uh, that are different today versus ten years ago. Um, right, but right. I will say, nothing replaces face-to-face communication. Um, you know, video chats are great, but sitting down with someone or or you know talking to them at their doorstep, um, however you want to communicate face-to-face, is still, I believe, the most effective way to make decisions, um, to move forward on a project. Uh, I still believe that. You know that's something that we we need to, with technology changing, uh, we still need to keep that in mind. That face to face matters. Um, mm-hmm. So I still meet. We track our meetings uh, every month with my assistant, and uh, over half of my meetings are still face to face. I do phone exactly. meetings and WebEx meetings as well, but um, it's still really critical, I believe. Yeah, we find the same thing. You know, uh, uh, enormous number of our meetings are face to face, and you know, our district managers are going out to campus and meeting face to face whenever possible, and kind of group people. You know, and it really, really makes a huge difference. Uh, so, so I just, I just love that. And and so, you know, you know, take me back, Jason. You know, you're 23 or tw- somewhere between 23 and 25. You're out, and you're saying here you know, put your money with me. You know, obviously we do this with, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds here, let me paint your house. But one of the things we always talk about is, is, Hey, you know, if it's, if it's not right, don't worry, we can touch it up. Right. Like, you know, um, but, but obviously the stakes (laughs) are so much higher in uh, financial planning. So, so what was, you know, what, what, what was your pitch? And and obviously you've been successful for doing this for a decade, but you know, how, how did you, how did you gain the confidence of, uh, of these, uh, you know, uh, investors and homeowners, et cetera? Yeah. So a couple of things that were really important, um, you have to leverage your team. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, although I was the only one at the door and, and in these meetings convincing prospective clients to do business, there's a whole team around me that I, I first and foremost made it clear uh, that they were involved in creating portfolios. Um, and I also had a team that, that helped me uh, and continues to help me service clients uh, in my office. Right. So okay. I, I think it's, it's the message that uh, you're sending is that, uh, you know, it's not just yourself. Um, right. But what I found interesting is ultimately, it doesn't matter how good your team are, is you're the most important person to them. And you're the face yes. of the business and they have to look at you. I was 24, 25 years old, but I didn't act like it. And, right. and <laughs> age didn't really matter. Um, if I showed that I was competent, if I could communicate properly with them, um, if they saw that I was driven and would work harder than perhaps the 55 or 60 year old that's, that's golfing three days a week and on the road to retirement themselves, if they saw that, you know, I I was going to be the hardest worker for them, um, they would give me a chance. And, you know, obviously a lot of these clients, they started me out with, with perhaps a portion of their investments, not, not the whole thing. And 
over the last 10 years, I mean, you can be sure that I now have the majority, if not all of their business. Um, so I've right. earned it over time and, you know, trust is built over time. Um, yes. so I've continued to, to gain their trust from that initial, uh, transaction. Well, that's, uh, that's awesome. That's, uh, and, and inspiring, frankly. Um, so, so, so Jason, you know, again, I, like I, I know a lot, or sorry, a little about a lot, a little about a lot of things. I'm always just interested and fascinated yeah. by lots and lots of things I'm always reading. And of course I know a lot about coaching and a lot about, you know, what I do, but, uh, and really deep in that area. But, you know, one thing I'm always reading about is, is the transformation in, um, you know, the financial world and, and, you know, the, the, the rates that, that, that advisors are getting paid less and more and more people are saying, Hey, just throw your money into ETFs and, and why do you need an advisor? You know, so, so how are you facing, you know, and how do you obviously see facing these, these challenges moving forward, uh, as, 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 you know, you, you know, you're continuing to move forward and develop your business. Yeah, I think it's a great question. That's a, it's probably one that we could, I could talk about for a long time, longer than what we have. I would say right. every industry is being disrupted by technology. Um, yeah, and ours is yeah. probably yeah. one of the last. Um, you know, it took ETFs and robo-advisors and all the different um, the trading tools and algorithms that are coming out uh, to change the way that we do business. And it's actually right. a positive for us. Um, so what it's forced advisors to do um, is be better at their jobs. So right. be more educated, uh, be more qualified. And for years, there were a lot of bad advisors that were just getting away with charging right. fees without doing anything. So it's, it's forced companies to invest in their advisors. It's forced companies to invest in better tools. Um, we're not, you know, not everybody out there is going to be a suitable client. There's going to be right. some people that just want to do, do it themselves online. Um, right. And I always thinking about, you know, my, if I want to do an oil change in my car, I'm not going to do it myself. I don't have time. I'll, I'm willing to pay someone. Um, yes. and there's always going to be a market, uh, for, uh, retirees, investors that want to have that partnership with their advisor. The way that right. we incorporate tools, um, we, we want clients to be engaged in the process. So we want to use these tools with our clients and show them, you know, the, the advice along with the tools to get them to their goals. Uh, to to improve their portfolios, um, so I, I believe there'll never be a point where humans don't exist in the investment world because you're always going to want to have another person to help you along the way. But yeah. I would say it definitely has changed the landscape. Um, fees have been compressed, but mm-hmm. the way that we build portfolios, um, you know, are a little bit different now than. 10 years ago, fewer mutual right. funds, more ETFs, more individual stocks, uh, and more advisors are now portfolio managers. Um, right. so I think it's, it's disrupted, um, the mutual fund business. It's certainly made some, 
uh, made some adjustments there. Um, but in terms of the wealth management business, uh, it's, you know, it's been doing fantastic and it's a great um, place to consider opening a business. Hey, leaders, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. So building your value proposition um, and your knowledge has to grow and develop and, 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 you know, your certifications, you know, need to grow and develop, uh, which is, which is, uh, which is powerful. And, and so really what's happened is, you know, they've talked about, you know, one of the things that, you know, uh, computers and technology has done is commoditize certain industries. Mm -hmm. And so, so it's, it's like taking the fat out of that industry doesn't mean the industry doesn't work. Doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. Cause you know, candidly there's, um, there's just no doubt. I want to be in a, uh, uh, a meeting, uh, sorry, I want to, I want to have a financial advisor. Right. Like there's just no doubt I want to do that because that's going to make all the difference in the world for me, um, you know, to uh, make sure that we're making the right, you know, bets and investments in our future. Um, you know, so so, uh, right. um, you know, so it's it's just like, OK, just kind of understanding the other side of it. Here's a young person who's who's obviously making real headway in the industry and that there's still a real uh, a real future in that area. Yeah, I think the, the industry, like anything, changes over time. And if you look at the travel industry as an example, um, so a lot of people book online. They book themselves. And right. the idea of going to a travel agent seems um, useless. But right. if you talk to uh, – so if you want to take a flight to New York, you probably just book it yourself. But right. if you want to do a custom four-week tour of Australia – are you going to book that yourself or are you going to have a travel agent customize an itinerary that makes a lot of sense and that utilizes their experience? And I think the investment industry, you, you're going to have robo advisors for the 30 year olds, 25 year olds, 35 year olds who have a very simple strategy, but as they gain more wealth, uh, they might not think so right now, but as they gain more wealth and they're 40, 45, 50, they might not trust a robo-advisor with that much money. And the, the strategies become more complex. 100%. Yeah. And we're really, really, uh, you know, because early on wealth development, you know, the best way I think you can develop wealth or look to develop wealth is in yourself, your skills, yep. your attributes. And, and so it's like, wow, I can, I can, you know, earn well in the results economy and wow, I'm, 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 you know, and so all of a sudden it's like Jason Mansell at, 
you know, how many years going forward of, you know, fill in the number. I'm filling in a big number, by the way, Jay. Um, <laughs> so fill in the number times decades. That's, that's an enormous amount of wealth. And then as you start to, you know, get into your 40s and 50s, well, then all of a sudden that wealth that you've accumulated and maybe was investments worth, then that becomes something that we really, really want to watch. You know, but early on, it's not as much of a concern, understandably, because you're really, you're really focused on the wealth accumulation through your efforts and hard work. Yeah, and I, I think there's a misconception with some investors that if they use an advisor, they lose all control. And it, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's the advisor, the research of the advisor telling them where they need to invest at all times. Uh, some clients like that. But I have a lot of other clients who are looking for a partnership and they want to be involved. They want to bring up ideas and, you know, have a discussion to help them create the best decision. So, you know, you talk about coaching and for some clients, I'm acting as more as a financial coach, Uh, maybe preventing them from making big mistakes, uh, but not necessarily um, dictating what they need to do. So every client situation right. is different. Right. Yeah. And, and you're, you're adjusting to that, right? So, yep. you know, and, and, and working with them. So, and, and uh, yeah, no. And, and again, like, you know, back in the day when you were selling paint jobs, it was every client's different. Do they need a deck, uh, uh, you know, fencing, you know, doors, interior, right. And, and listening to what the client wanted and why they wanted it this above that. Obviously, your life now way more complex, mm-hmm. but I can see how that built towards what you're doing now. Yep, absolutely. So, um, okay, great. So, so you know, one of the things um, you know, we talk about things that go well a lot, and and one of the things I always love to sort of focus a, a, on is is the things that don't go well because that's actually a whole lot about life and and successful people's lives. So, what what have been some of your big mistakes or failures, and how have you learned from that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think uh, I don't have one particular failure in mind, but a couple of things that maybe I wished I did sooner. Um, if I think back to when I was younger, um, I probably, you know, wasn't as vocal about my opinions or as confident in my opinions okay. that uh, I should have been. And right. I think that that takes time, but you know, if you're younger and you feel like you have a good idea, you need to voice it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, as I realized over the last 10 or 15 years, um, not necessarily the loudest voice in the room is correct. And no. you know, there's a lot of really smart people out there that do not, um, have the confidence or, you know, just, they don't vocalize exactly what needs to be done. Um, so an opinion, it's just an opinion, but I think looking back, I probably could have been more confident and, you know, I worked a lot of bad jobs, uh, to get to, to the ultimate goal, um, in my career. Um, I think I probably could have trusted my instincts a little bit quicker and realized that, right. you know, working at a retail store or a restaurant, which I did was not what I wanted to do. And, right. you know, if there's anybody out there that, that maybe doesn't enjoy their job, uh, I think that's, you know, something you got to trust your instincts on and make that, make that change quicker than uh, maybe you're comfortable with. 
Yeah. And, and when there's an alignment of, because some people just don't like things and they're unwilling to make the change necessary to do the things that are going to get them the success in the other role. Right. So I do, you know, so that's always, it's like, you're willing to go and do something and it involves something that's really hard canvassing year round <laughs> with an accountability buddy. And I'm willing to do that. Right. And yep. learn the skills and continue to get better and better. And thus, you know, um, finding other roles that aren't working for you, you're willing to step into that knowing what it's going to take. Exactly. And then, yeah, if we know what it's going to take, and I'm willing to do that then 100%, right. Rather than just feeling unsatisfied because, you know, one of the things I always look at is, 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 you know, there, I think there is a lot of dissatisfaction with a, with a cruddy job and it can kind of pay the rent and it can get things done. And that, Really, we're so fortunate in Canada, it, you know, even just an okay job can be just fine, mm -hmm. you know, or I can take on something really, really challenging. And the downside is it's really, really challenging. Yep. The upside is it's really, really challenging, you know? Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. You know, there's, there's one particular moment uh, I'll share that was really sure. challenging. Um, and it was actually month 13 of this job. So I mentioned before I had 12 months salary. And what happened in month 13, I barely had a paycheck. Um, yeah. So if you can picture, you know, 26 year old, luckily I didn't have a, a mortgage or large expenses. It was just like car payment and living expenses. And, you know, month 13 hit and I didn't have enough clientele to yeah. have enough recurring revenue. Um, yeah. And at the time, Jen, my, my girlfriend, um, she was like, what is this job? You know, is this what mm -hmm. you really want to do? And yeah. I had to really look deep inside myself because, you know, I got, I think my paycheck was like 180 bucks or something like that. And, oh, uh, wow. for the month, <laughs> um, oh, and you know, certainly if I wasn't confident in, where I was going to go long-term, uh, I could have easily quit. Um, so, you know, that's, that's really important to keep in mind. Uh, it's not about, you know, where you're at. It's about what's the upside and where, where can I take this? And, you know, by the end of that year, things got rolling and, you know, within five, six, seven years, things were going great. So um, certainly glad that I kept with it. Wow. I love that story. <laughs> Holy jumping 200 bucks a month. Like Jay, what, what persistence, what commitment, what seeing into your future? Like that's fantastic. And so often again, people don't see what it actually takes, right? That, you know, and, and, and obviously you would have loved to have done it faster and sooner had you done it before and maybe there are ways or whatever, but it's just like, that's what you know about yourself. No matter what you're going to make it happen. Right. No matter what, you're going to stick it out. And, and that's just, uh, you know, hey, that's 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 great going to sleep like how you show up for you in the world. Like, that's just amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so if someone was considering venturing out into the entrepreneurial world, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I think like for me, uh, one thing I always said to myself is to never have a plan B. So you get these entrepreneurs that kind of put one foot in the water and they always have that plan B lined up. And I just think you have to jump in. Um, 
you can take more risk when you're younger. So the younger, the yes. better. Um, yes. But I, I mean, I didn't have, I wasn't looking up Workopolis uh, at month 13. This yes. is what I decided. And there was no plan B. Um, now, having said that, I also didn't have to invest a lot of capital. So it was, yes. it was sweat equity. Uh, I think in today's world, you don't need a physical office. You don't need a lot of equipment. You don't need uh, a lot of capital. Um, But what you can provide is sweat equity. And, you know, those first three years in particular, there was a lot of sweat equity that I put in. Uh, So Mm -hmm. find, you know, if if you're taking the plunge, um, find a business that requires a lot of sweat equity, but not necessarily a lot of capital. Uh, It's a lower risk way of doing it. and just set up a structure that allows you to take risk. Um, Mm -hmm. So at my point in my life, that was delaying purchasing a home. So I, I I couldn't, I couldn't qualify for a mortgage because my income was all over the place. hundred percent commission. Some months were good. Some months were bad. Um, So I had to delay things and that was tough. But, um, you know, I think if you follow you know, those two things, um, you should be set up for success. Yeah. Cause that's one of the things I wanted to hit, highlight as well to our leaders is, is that, you know, in year, in month 13, you know, you, you didn't, Oh, by chance, not have a mortgage. No, you'd made the decision not to have a mortgage. Right. You made the decision to keep your costs low. You made a decision not to, to, to be living high off the hog. I'm going to make sacrifices right. now so that later on in life, I, 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 I have choice. You know, and and I have choice now. You were making choices then uh, to build your career, right? Yep. And 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 it, and it wasn't irrational either because you can look around your office, you can look around, you know, the industry and see all sorts of people who are really successful, and they had similar times, mm-hmm. right? Early on, it's not easy. Early on, again, building a book of business in the financial industry is hard work. Yep. Um, and, uh, and so, so, so it's, it's, you know, again, starting your own business, it's hard. People quit because it's hard. Uh, and I love your never had a plan B. That is such great wisdom. You know, no plan B. I am doing this. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's probably, I'm just so stubborn. I, I probably wouldn't want to admit failure at any point. So whether it's a good characteristic or not, that's what I kept on myself. <laughs> Well, well, you know, I, I, I regularly say I'm not so sure it's sane what I do or what people like me do. I don't know. You know, it's not not necessarily sane, yeah. you know, how committed I am and how focused I am uh, uh, and, and, and friends like me. But but it's like you said, that determination, that commitment is, is, is awesome. So uh, so if someone wanted to do what you do, what key habits would they want to steal from you? You know, secret to your success. Yeah, I, I think um, re- just being relentless. Um, yeah. You know, everyone says be tough, and but I love the word relentless uh, because mm-hmm. you know, especially in the tougher moments, that's the mindset I had to have. Um, yeah. And if you don't, there's a lot of good people that were in my class that I trained with that just didn't make it, and it's sad. Um, so being tough, uh, being relentless, uh, the other thing I would say, you know, one of my, uh, I would say secrets is it's always the human relationship that matters, whether you're talking about dividend yields on stocks or 
painting a house, uh, that relationship matters. And if, if clients like you, if they legitimately like you and think you're a good person, um, there's a value, there's a lot of value in that. Uh, people want to mm-hmm. do business with people they like. And yeah, yeah. You know, I can say all my clients, I like them. They like me. Um, you know, we do social events together. It's not just about the numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, obviously that's why we have a relationship, but it's evolved into more than that. Yeah. And, and knowing you, and again, you might go, you know, like it's been a long time since we've talked, but, but just knowing you, like it's, 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 they also know you care. Right. So it's, it's, it's beyond it's, it's, it's liking, but it's beyond liking. It's like, no, I can, I can trust this person. Like you're trustworthy. Yeah. Right. And so that's something, you know, that people can hang on to. Right. Yeah. And, and, and part of that. So how do you humanize any experience? You just have to share a bit about yourself. So why do you, why do you do what you do? And for me, um, I won't, you know, go into too much detail, but my grandmother actually, um, you know, who helped raise me, I learned yeah. after the fact that she actually claimed bankruptcy. And oh, wow. I remembered money was never an issue. And it was probably because she was taking on debt. Um, but I learned after the fact, towards the end of her life that, you know, she claimed bankruptcy, and she never had a plan. She never had someone who could actually look out for her and invest her money and do things properly. And she didn't know. She didn't know oh, anybody. Yeah. So she was just trying to help her family and pay the bills and, you know, look after her grandkids and, and all that stuff. And, you know, I think that, you know, I look at the clients I work with and, you know, they're all in a good place. But, um, you know, my goal is certainly to to avoid anybody having to go through that type of experience and to to make the right choices with their money. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where um, I kind of look at it is is and I know you you see this uh, just because the industry that you're you're in is, is that there's so much pain and there's economic, you know, sort of shadows and there's suffering around that, like not having the right not having the right financial plan, not having the money, not, you know, and just just um, what that would have been for her would have been such a shame and and you know with a really good plan you can have a really good plan if you make 50k or 100k or you know 250 or 500k and as long as that plan will involves saving more than you spend you know and 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 putting away money every year then your plan's going to work over time right and 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 sort of that's one of the best things that a financial advisor can really bring to the table is just some common wisdom and common plans that really really over time are going to really build and grow yeah I, I absolutely agree everyone has a pain point it might not be that they're on the verge of bankruptcy but it might be that you know they need to have x amount of emergency savings because that's what their mom always told them to do or yeah they're saving for a cottage or whatever yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So if we can take away a little bit of that uncertainty, um, you know, that's our job. That's awesome. So one final question. When you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? Yeah. So I think a leader of tomorrow um, is someone that's that's taking risks and not just, you know, risks for risk sake, but someone who's taking calculated risks and is truly forward-looking 
a lot of the corporate world looks at data and we have analysts, investment analysts, they all do this. They look at what's happened, not at where things are going. And, you know, that's part of my job. Uh, we all try to forecast, right. um, sometimes unsuccessfully. Um, but I think the leader of tomorrow is someone who is willing to be wrong and take that risk. Uh, be the first to to be wrong at something because <laughs> eventually you'll get it right. Um, right. But a lot of people are not willing to step out and do that. And, you know, if you think of someone like um, Elon Musk, if he wasn't around, sure. if he didn't take that risk, where would we be? Um, mm -hmm. So that's my vision of a leader tomorrow is someone who's willing to step out there and take that chance. Well, that is awesome. Well, hey, I, I feel really inspired. I know our young leaders will be by, uh, you know, just just the wisdom that you shared and the story that you shared here. Uh, Jay, uh, you know, continued success. Uh, you know, congratulations on your perseverance and your commitment. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, let's let's stay connected and uh, and all the best. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was great to, to share this and, you know, I'm continually learning. So uh, maybe another 10 years, I'll have uh, a few more things to share. <laughs> <laughs> I know you will. I know you will. Okay. Take, take care. You have a fantastic day. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Hey, leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.